Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It is Monday. It is September 25th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Plenty of impressions left on us from the college football weekend and NFL weekend. The Arizona Cardinals, ASU football, among many of the topics we'll dive into in today's show. Uh, there were some phone calls that tried to get in in the 9 o'clock hour with Bob, and uh, we'll have to push push them to this hour or the 11 o'clock hour. We'll, we'll take calls around 10.30 and 11.15. 602-260-1060 is the number to get involved. Let's dive right into the show and get things started with the poll questions, and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Following the Arizona Cardinals upset victory over the Cowboys, which Cardinals unit impressed you the most during the win over the Cowboys offense or defense? And Bob, during the nine o'clock hour, defense was out in front. We've had a switch offense leading the way now at 60 percent of the vote defense trailing at 40 percent. Well, you can make a case for the offense over 400 yards of total offense and uh you know, big plays, mainly from Josh Dobbs, whether it be his legs or his arm. Uh, he did both of those things. Uh, so that's the case for the offense, the case for the defense. While they actually, I thought, tackled the worst that they have in all three games this season. I actually thought the Cardinals had tackled pretty well the first two games. Not so much yesterday. A lot of that was just trying to, you know, figure out where is Tony Pollard at. <laughs> so it's a lot of total whiffs on uh, Pollard carries or – couple of receptions that he had uh i think one of them was officially a carry though actually as it turned out but whatever uh but the you know they had a tough time tackling him but they did a really good job in the red zone the cowboys went one for six as far as touchdowns in the red zone and uh the cardinals uh i think dobbs at quarterback in in, uh, the red zone defense uh those are your cases for the uh for the poll question one or the other your choice (laughs) We will definitely get into that around 1130 as we answer it. Still plenty of time for you to cast your vote. KDOS1060.com. Flipping this on over to Twitter at KDOSAM1060. Uh, this it pertains to ASU football and their valiant effort against USC. Are you encouraged about ASU the rest of the season after the competitive loss versus USC? No remains out in front here. 54.5% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 45.5%. That has gotten closer, though. That was, I believe, 70% an hour ago or so. Uh, so uh, a little tighter on that uh, at this, uh, as far as the voting goes at this point. Uh, Kenny Dillingham, who was, you know, his his deal was offense. He obviously was the offensive coordinator at Oregon last year. He called offensive players for the first time, and he certainly ran pretty much every trick play. You know, I probably shouldn't say every trick play. Many trick plays. 
and then they even tried an onside kick when he was doing the quote head coaching part of his job. And uh, why not? Uh, you got to do those things. You're just gonna, not going to line up against USC and out athlete them. Uh, unfortunately, he has to try those things because the offensive line, which let's face it, folks, wasn't very good to start with, uh, is now down four starters. And as a result, there were 14 plays that were resulted in, ta- in tackles for loss on Saturday night. And, uh, and that's not often when you have a team get 28 points and have 14 plays tackled for loss on that side of the ball. Uh, but they did everything they could to uh, you know, you know, give it a fight. I kind of wondered why you know, I was watching that on Saturday night. Why have we seen more of this the last couple of weeks? Uh, when they lost, I thought, a winnable game when they were winning at halftime against Oklahoma State, and they could have been certainly more competitive the week before against Fresno State. We'll dive into that much more around 11.30, uh, so plenty of time for you to cast your vote over on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. We'll also be monitoring the Diamondbacks. It looks really miserable in New York right now as they are uh, making up their makeup game from Saturday. So we'll uh, continue to monitor that as that game is just about underway here uh, local time around 10.08 a.m. In addition to that, we have to acknowledge our Friday spread winner. We are now 4-0 thanks to him taking the Chargers plus one and a half. We'll get more into the Chargers and the Vikings contest, but first we have to start from Glendale with the Cardinals picking up a 28 to 16 win over the Cowboys. Uh, The Cowboys deferred and right from the get go, the Cardinals took the first drive down the field, settled for three points on a Matt Prater 39 yard field goal. But the Cardinals defense then forced a three and out and the offense right back at it for seven. The first half ended with Flair for dramatics here. Matt Prater with a 62-yard field goal, and the Cardinals saw themselves up 21-10. to So you're sitting here at halftime thinking to yourself, well, we're finding ourselves in a very similar situation where the Cardinals are out to a first-half lead, a very big first-half lead, in fact, against a team that was heavily favored. So how are the Cowboys going to respond? How are the Cardinals going to respond, especially after what happened the week prior uh, with the the Giants here were they going to be able to keep the pedal to the metal and uh, they were able to find ways to get it done in that second half well I think the key to this whole thing is they got the lead and uh, the Cowboys had not been behind one second uh, the first two weeks of the season and they beat the New York teams and they were chasing points also there's no doubt that you know the fact that you know the Cardinals excuse me the Cowboys were without uh, I wouldn't say that their top three offensive linemen because Steele at right tackle is a really good player also. But without Smith and Martin, who is you know, the best uh, interior lineman in the NFL, and Biotish, their center, all three of those guys did not play yesterday. Uh, Smith was actually active and in uniform, but I'm just guessing. You know, I didn't hear anything officially after the game, but I'm guessing he was just out there in case they had some kind of uh, – uh, a further offensive line injury. And I think the Cardinals really were, you know, I don't they, they think they did a whole lot of stunning, quite frankly. But uh, the backup Cardinal, uh, the backup uh, Cowboys defensive line, uh, Dak was uncomfortable, uh, I would say, most of the game because he rarely was able to just drop back and, you know, you know, you know stay on his spot and make throws. And I don't think there's any doubt that that played a role. But the Cardinals 
did a really good job. They had enough big plays. When they got the, the game got tied again within one score, uh, they came right back and took advantage of a blown defense, which had in part because the fact that the Cowboys had a you know, situation in the secondary where they weren't healthy either. And uh, but uh, Dobbs made a long pass or threw a long pass, and you know they they made the they made the plays when they had to, and uh, the uh, you know Kaiser White with the interception in the end zone uh, to kind of seal the victory. And I think that actually uh, through three games, I think that White has been the Cardinals' best player on offense and or defense. I think James Conner would be the other candidate, uh, but White is uh, he's made quite a few plays in each of the first three games on a positive side, and though he had that personal foul penalty on the first drive against Washington, which seems like a very long time ago, but it's only three weeks and three games ago. But he's been really good, and I thought it was kind of fitting that he got that interception because he and Dak were chirping at each other the entire game. Uh, Yeah, so in that second half here, the Cardinals started off with two punts. The score was cut to 21-16, 9.28 left to go in the fourth. Dobbs hit Michael Wilson on a deep pass for 69 yards where Wilson was wide open. Definitely some blown coverage there by the uh, Dallas Cowboys defense. But I think the most important part, they were able to punch it in for seven at that point to make it 28-16. And so the Cowboys were looking to respond here with Dak uh, driving him down the field. But as you mentioned, there Kaiser White in his game that he had uh, he picked off Dak in the end zone here Kaiser saying after the game uh, I'm surprised he threw it to be honest but that play call I was messing it up a little but during the week on I told myself this morning I was praying if Rollis calls that defense and that play call that I won't mess it up and I think I was a hundred percent on it all game I was proud of myself in that regard uh, so that's kind of cool there to have some a full circle circle moment that obviously that defensive coverage was something that uh, they were implementing in practice. Uh, White admitting there that he struggled a bit about it during practice and he uh, was on it all game long and then obviously getting uh, what ended up being a pivotal interception there uh, for, for the Cardinals defense. And going back to that blown coverage, that coverage was so blown that I'm not exactly positive whether it was Bland that just you know, basically you know, blew the coverage entirely. Uh, yeah, Bland in there at the – he's a nickel corner in their usual base defense, but obviously play, uh, forced to play the outside after the Diggs uh, season-ending injury from last week during practice. Uh, I'm not sure if it was his fault or whether it was sa- the, two, the safety help, but it was just a – a terrible, you know, blown coverage entirely. I like the play call at that point to be aggressive. Uh, much uh, different than, you know, two Sundays ago when I thought the Cardinals, if there was any criticism on that Sunday with the coaching staff is they went way too conservative trying to protect that lead in the second half and turned into be kind of a disaster. But they trusted Dobbs and he made a uh, he made a really good throw. And it was obviously a wide open you know, situation, but you still got to get the ball down there, and he did a good job with that. Uh, but you know, his legs and uh, his arm, I uh, thought, were uh, you know very impressive yesterday. And uh, you know, maybe he's learning the offense a little bit better, and maybe they're learning him, and vice versa. And the receivers, and you know, that can't be an easy thing if you're not here, you know, until like you know two, three weeks before the season even starts. And uh, but they they've been more in sync on offense and. 
He does have some athletic ability, which I did mention as soon as they acquired him because we watched him play at Tennessee back in his college days. Um, I'm not sure if he's really a week-to-week good starting quarterback in the NFL yet uh, because you know I kind of have a higher standard for good than most, but he's certainly better than what they have on the roster now, and he's better than Colt McCoy, uh, you know, which I criticize the fact that they let him go. And the fact that Cole McCoy is still on the street, I don't know if he's just waiting for a better situation. There was talk last week that the Jets might go after Cole McCoy. That was talk in New York City that they were going to go after Cole McCoy. I'm not sure who exactly reported that in New York City. It was one of the 700 newspapers and media people in New York City. But obviously that did not happen. Maybe it'll happen this week in New York City, the Cole McCoy with the Jets starting quarterback next week or soon. Yeah, uh, that's a whole host of things that we'll certainly get into as we break down uh, Sunday's NFL games here. One other thing I wanted to mention about Kaiser White and his game, we talked about the interception there. 14 total tackles for him, eight solo, one tackle for a loss, and his head coach after the game said he's a captain for a reason, wears a green dot, keeps those guys composed even when it don't look like it's going good. But what I'm proud of, not just Kaiser, is all the captains, the entire team is the fight. You know, you got to keep punching. It's a heavy heavyweight battle out there speaking of heavyweight battle out there I mean we talked about it all week long heading into this contest just about the Cowboys front the presence of Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence we talked about uh, some of the metric breakdowns of just how quickly Micah Parsons is able to get into the backfield and be disruptive here Uh, the Cowboys sacked Dobbs twice Four quarterback hits. Micah Parsons only had one of those two sacks. The Cardinals' offensive line got an incredible amount of push as well in the run game. If you look at the Cardinals, 30 carries, 222 yards as a team. James Conner himself, 14 carries, 98 yards, and one touchdown. If you want to look at... um, as well how quickly Josh Dobbs was getting the ball out of his hands. According to Next Gen Stats, it was 2.3 seconds. Yeah, um, as I mentioned a couple times last year during the season, uh, two things about the Cowboys defense. Let's start with Parsons. He has some missing in action games, and that's why I didn't think that he really should have even been a candidate for the Defensive Player of the Year award last year. He has some spectacular splash plays and some great games, but he has other games where you don't even know he's on the field. And yesterday, those game, one of those games, if you didn't know he was who he's supposed to be and you know that he's you know, a, you know, supposed to be a defensive player of the year candidate every year, you wouldn't even know he was out there. And he was easily blocked on a lot of those running plays. I mean, easily blocked. In fact, they didn't even block him on some of those running plays. They just let him run himself right out of the play, just going after the quarterback on running plays. Uh, which is you know, over-aggressiveness from him, uh, maybe some selfishness, selfishness from him. But uh, the Cardinals use that to their advantage, which is to the Cardinals' credit. Uh, so there's that. And also the Cowboys' defensive weakness the last couple of years, albeit they've been really good on defense in most statistical categories, but the one area that they've had some serious issues occasionally, especially when they're not you know, ahead in games, is stopping the run. And all those things uh, surfaced yesterday for the Cowboys defense.
Yeah, the Cardinals did a great job of exploiting that, taking advantage of it. Head coach Jonathan Gannon said about the offense post game, we popped some explosives. I think we want takeaway battle was even explosive play battle. I think we won off the top of my head. Rondell, James, those were some good, hard fought runs. That's a good defense, a really good defense. So obviously the O-line making it go, but execution of the plan uh, was critical. And that's what they did. Speaking of explosive plays, I mean, you had the 69 yard, uh, throw and catch to Michael Wilson. Then you had the 45-yard run for touchdown by Rondell Moore, a 44-yard run. Great play design. Fooled Michael Parsons there with Josh Dobbs on the keeper. A 26-yard run by James Conner. You also had a 23-yard catch by Hollywood Brown. So those explosives we didn't see in week one. We saw more of them in week two, and they showed up again in week three for this offense. Defensively for the Cardinals, I know we touched on Kaiser White, but as an off as a defense as a whole, the Cardinals surrendered 185 yards on the ground on 33 carries. Tony Pollard, 23 carries, 122 yards, 249 yards through the air. Michael Gallup, uh, he led the team with six catches for 92 yards. Cardinals were able to sack Dak twice, four quarterbacks hits, plus the crucial interception late in the game. It was kind of obvious at points, though, that they were targeting Keytrail Clark. Uh, and Gannon said after the game, yeah, he hung in there. He's psychologically prepped to be a corner in the NFL. The ball is going to come to you. And when they make plays, because they will, you got to come back and fight and battle. I thought he did a good job of battling. It will be a good learning experience for him, you know, being one-on-one all day. Yeah, last week they you know, the Giants targeted you know Wilson, uh, Marco Wilson. So this week it was the opposite side, uh, but you know they got away with that. I was a little surprised that Brandon Cooks was not more involved. Uh, he only had a couple of catches, if I'm not mistaken, by the end of the game, and didn't really have very many targets. And uh, so that that kind of surprised me. And uh, you, know, you know Lamb got his share of targets, but. Uh, you know, Cooks and, you know, it, I don't think the Cardinals really cared, quite frankly, or if I'm a Cowboys opponent. If you want to give me Michael Gallup, who I think is a nice player, uh, and he's, you know, coming back and he looks certainly healthier this year, two years off the ACL. Uh, but if you want to make him like your primary target, fine, go ahead. Uh, I'll take my chances that you're not going to beat me with Michael Gallup. So that was good. Go back to the offensive side of things. I thought that Petzing has done a uh, did a really good job of you know we talked about the we talked about the deep pass. I also thought the they've done a good job with Rondell Moore and not overused him. And uh, unfortunately, I think that what's happening, what we saw yesterday in Detroit, is uh, you know Gibbs is being overused, and there's no way that that dude's going to make it through the season. He took a couple of hellacious hits yesterday. I think the Cardinals have done an excellent job at trying to avoid Rondell Moore from not taking excessive contact uh, and uh, on a frequent basis. Uh, Moore was spectacular his freshman season at Purdue, which is now, what, six or six, six years ago in his, in his football career, if you go back to Purdue. Um, he was tremendous that year, but he's been injured every year since, including both of his years in the NFL. The Cardinals, with their 28-16 win over the Cowboys, became Jonathan Gannon's first win as an NFL head coach. The Cardinals picked up their first win of the season. They picked up their first win at home on a Sunday since October 5th of 2021 when they faced the Texans. Jonathan Gannon said postgame, 
uh, very businesslike in his postgame press conference. Hopefully one of many, but back to the drawing board tomorrow. Uh, in addition to that, Gannon has been very process-driven in everything that he talks about here and was asked about the validity of getting a win and what this makes that accomplish for the message and the buy-in for the team. And he said, honestly, I don't think the, think wins and losses validate what you're doing on a daily basis. Obviously, it's a production business, so you got to get wins. But the team has been bought in since with their, with their head held high, losing on the road week one, a game we felt we should have won. Week two, a game we felt we should have won. They kept their chin up, went back to work, and that's what we got to do this week because we have a good football team going to San Francisco. Okay, well, they won one game. I'm not going to fall into the trap that they're a good football team, but I think the one thing we've learned from Jonathan Gannon is we're going to get a lot of coach speak. Uh, good for him. Uh, probably not a bad idea for his first-time head coach, who until yesterday hadn't won a game. But he doesn't really ever say anything that I think is really worth you know, headlines or you know, me really getting into in detail. I think he was referencing there that the 49ers are a good football team. Uh, okay, I agree, I agree with that. Yeah, they they're definitely good. are. Okay. Uh, that's another good defense that they're going to be facing and plenty of different uh, playmakers for the the Cardinals to try to defend on that Sunday contest going up to Santa Clara. Albeit, albeit yeah, Debo and Ayuk, you're not 100% going into next week's game. The Diamondbacks, uh, Merrill Kelly is on the mound. He has a 2-0 lead in the bottom of the first as he gets his outing started here with the Diamondbacks facing the Yankees. We'll continue to update that throughout the day. But on the other side of the break, we will uh, get into it with more from around the NFL. It is the Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. We'll do what's best for the team, and we'll do what's best for you. The Rich Eisen Show, coming to you weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. Ten twenty-eight here on KDOS AM 1060 going a little bit long there in that last segment talking about the Cardinals victory over the Cowboys. We'll dive into the NFL now. We'll still take your calls, but we'll probably push that to about 1035, 1037 or so. 602, 260, 1060 is the number if you'd like to join in this hour. Let's go around the NFL and we'll start with the Chargers 28 to 24 victory over the Vikings uh, on Sunday. Another mind-boggling situation and decision Ugh. here, but it worked out, got the win. So if you didn't see what happened here in the fourth quarter, another questionable decision here from Chargers head coach Brandon Staley. It was fourth and one on their own 24-yard line. That's right, their own 24-yard line with a four-point lead, 151 to play. The Vikings had no timeouts. The Chargers decided to go for it. They ended up getting stuffed on the fourth and one on a run play. Kirk Cousins, though, and the offense, this was also a little mind-boggling about how this all unfolded. 
They were unable to get it into the end zone. It was picked off uh, off the hands of TJ Hawkinson. But the part that was mind-boggling here, after completing it on fourth down to the sixth yard line to make it first and goal, nearly 30 seconds ran off the clock before they were able to snap the ball. Uh, so a little bit disjointed and everything that ended up going into that, getting picked off and the Chargers get the win. So they're one and two and the Vikings are now 0 and three. Well, that's because his play, you know, what he, the, the the speaker in his head or whatever, the, he couldn't hear. The, the thing went out. Um, if this game were in Los Angeles, uh, they'd be there'd be conspiracy theories going on here. But uh, you know, Cousins couldn't hear what the play call was. You know, they maybe they should have hand signals or something in case uh, you know, to you know as a backup plan. But uh, yeah, that was what he said after the game, and you know, O'Connell actually confirmed that that's what happened. There was a breakdown in the uh, the, the communication as far as the uh, you know the play calling uh, headset unit or whatever the hell they call that thing. I mean, if in baseball you just bring up the you know when the pitcher doesn't have the you know, the pitch com thing working, they just bring up a new bring you know, top stop the game and. Bring out a new pitchcom system and the game continues, but uh, he couldn't do that yesterday, and that was that. The, this Brandon Staley thing, the, this is they should fire him today anyway, even though they won. This was maybe the absolute dumbest decision, which is saying something because we've been questioning. This was the fourth down thing. My problem with Staley mainly has been he's a defensive guy and his defense sucks, and it sucked again yesterday. By the way, they got lucky there. Not just at the end of the game, but a lot during the game. But this guy is incapable of being an NFL head coach and should not be. And the Chargers are never going to do squat as long as he's the head coach. Uh, the Chargers, though, they have serious uh, issues now at wide receiver Mike Williams. Uh, he apparently, according to reports from this morning, has a torn ACL. So uh, that's another serious injury for Mike Williams. Well, and they got a lot of other issues too. Uh, you know, arguably, or probably not even arguably, their two best defensive players, uh, Nick Bosa and also uh, Ed and uh, and uh, Derwin James, injured uh, yesterday. They played some, but were not able to finish the game. Well, Bosa might have been out there in the last drive. I'm not positive about that, but didn't play very many plays. Obviously, Eckler did not play again. And they seem to have really no idea when he's going to play again. So you have an in-up coach, and uh, without uh, three of your four or five best players being uh, 100% at this point, and we're only three weeks into the season. And how about J.C. Jackson being a healthy scratch? Got no problem with that because he's been uh, you know, absolutely terrible, and I know this is one thing where the eye test and the people that do the metrics back it up. Uh, I heard a thing last week that he was the worst-rated corner in the NFL through two weeks. Wow. Uh, when We'll move on from that game here. The Packers come from behind to beat the Saints 18-17. to All 18 points for the Packers were scored in the fourth quarter. The Saints did not score in the second half. Derek Carr, he left the game. Uh, the diagnosis here, AC joint sprain in his right shoulder. Right now there seems to be optimism here that he will not have to miss the entire season. The Packers yeah. in the win, they did not have uh, Aaron Jones or Christian Watson. 
or a whole bunch of other dudes. Uh, Jenkins and Bakhtiari, their two best offensive linemen, did not play. Uh, and uh, the thing that's most amazing to me and uh, the Packers, now granted, it's not like the Packers in the last 30 years have been chasing points very often, but the Packers have been around forever, and they've had some really bad teams that have been chasing points. That's the first time ever that they've been down at least 17 points in a game and won the game? Ever? That's what they said on ESPN last night on the Van Pelt Show, so I'm assuming that's accurate. Uh, Jordan Love in his first start at Lambeau was really pathetic, quite frankly, for the first three quarters. Uh, An interception in the first quarter wasn't his fault. They ran a flea flicker on a fourth and two, and uh, that was mishandled. And he just threw a pass in desperation. It didn't work. But he threw an awful interception in the third quarter when they were still down 17-0. And that really should have clinched the game. But uh, let's face it, the Saints offense, even with Derek Carr healthy, the first you know, two and a half games has not been very good at all. Uh, still, the Saints had a chance to win this game. But their rookie kicker missed a 46-yard field goal at the end to win the game they could have you know lose by one uh and he missed the field goal and uh actually Jameis winston did a pretty good job leading them down the field to put them in position to win the game chris olave has been impressive on the offensive side of the ball for the saints but you have to wonder just how much missing uh you know jamal williams alvin kamara with his uh suspension has impacted the overall offensive production and that maybe when they get back things will move down the field a little bit more with ease. I'm not sure about that because their offensive line has been bad. Uh, you know, pass protection and run blocking, uh, you know, they were supposed to be better than this. For the most part, they've been healthy. Uh, last year they had 10,000 injuries in the offensive line. We kind of understood why they struggled in that area, but uh, there seems to be very few excuses this year. Uh, no matter who the quarterback is, no matter who the running back is, if they don't settle that, they're going to be in trouble. The Texans stun the Jaguars 37-17. to C.J. Stroud efficient, 20 of 30, 280 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, and most importantly, no sacks. In addition to this, the 906 yards that C.J. Stroud has thrown through three games is third amongst all other rookie quarterbacks. Uh, Cam Newton leads the way with 1,012, Justin Herbert at 931. The counterpart here, Trevor Lawrence, was 27 of 40, 279 yards, one touchdown and one pick. You also had a muffed kick that turned into an 85-yard kick return touchdown for the Texans. The Texans came to play. They did. The C.J. Stroud accuracy thing shouldn't surprise anybody. If you watched him in Ohio State, accuracy was certainly something he was very good at. He certainly can get the ball down the field and outside the hash marks and, and so forth. He's got a tremendous accurate arm. Uh, I thought he should have been the first overall pick of the draft, which I said weeks before the draft. And I'm assuming that many people think now that he should have been the first overall pick of the draft. Uh, The Texans did this yesterday without three of their top four offensive linemen and without uh, three of their four starting defensive backs. Uh, Bad day if uh, for a lot of people that were in the survivor pool at the Circa in Las Vegas. This game by far, minus the points with Jacksonville, was the biggest selection yesterday in the Circa Millions or whatever they call that thing, the Survivor Pool. 
and uh, all those people are you know crying in their whatever uh, after that game yesterday. Uh, the Jacksonville's now they basic they've lost every home game against every home game against Houston since 2017. The fans were actually booing in the first quarter of this game in Jacksonville, and they've now lost two consecutive home games and displayed very little offense. In fact, in those games, they've scored three offensive touchdowns in two games. Yeah, the expectations for the Jaguars after they started four and eight, and then they kind of like it was like after the bye week last year that they started to put things together offensively. Trevor Lawrence seemed like he had taken uh, a leap forward, and so the expectation was that he was just going to keep taking a leap forward. And in an AFC South division that seemed like it was right there for the taking for them, uh, this has not been a good offensive start, and obviously not a good record start either obviously i was not high on the jacksonville jags or as high as you know, seemingly every nfl and network analyst they were picking them to go to the super bowl or acting like they'd already won the super bowl i didn't think they'd be this bad i mean this is really poor i'm not a big doug peterson fan i never have been even when he won a super bowl they're not either trevor lawrence is you know i'm a little stunned at his inaccuracy actually he's missed a lot of open throws in the last two weeks when they've lost these games but he's not getting coached up or he's just not that good i think he's good so i'm guessing that he's not being coached up and they look like a mess quite frankly on offense the fact that they had no sacks against an offensive line without the majority and both of their tackles but the three of their best uh, four offensive starters. One of those guys got hurt towards the end of the game. So by the end of the game, they were without four offensive linemen. It's stunning that Jacksonville has not been able to make plays on either side of the ball. 602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to get into the program. More NFL discussion is next. Carving out time in your afternoon for the Doug Gottlieb Show right here on KDUS AM 1060, 100.7 HD2, and KDUS1060.com. Weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. here on Extra Point on KDOS AM 1060. It is Monday. It is September 25th. Bob Camp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays and Fridays. Recapping the weekend from the NFL. We'll get into college football probably in hour number two. In addition to that, a look is what is happening for the Diamondbacks facing the Yankees in the makeup game from Saturday. Merrill Kelly on the mound. Uh, it was a struggle for him in that first inning, 35 pitches thrown, uh, one hit, one walk, one strikeout, but the Diamondbacks remain up 2 nothing as uh, they were. They did not put up any runs in the second, and Merrill will be back out there shortly here uh, as the Diamondbacks continue on facing the Yankees. As it is, though, for more around the NFL, the Dolphins hosted the Broncos, and boy, this, uh, this got out of hand quickly here with a 70-20 to victory for the Dolphins. Let's take a look at some historical facts here. Most points in a game in NFL history, 1940, the Bears scored 73 versus Washington. In 1966, that was in the NFL championship game, by the way, 73 to 0. Ugh. 
1966, yeah. Washington, then uh, they scored 72 points versus the Giants. And then here in 2023, the Dolphins, 70 over the Broncos here. Tua, he was efficient, 23 of 26, 309 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. And then your guy, A-Chain, 18 carries, 203 yards, two touchdowns. Raheem Mostert, uh, 13 carries, 82 yards, and three touchdowns in all the Dolphins. 726 yards of total offense. You bet it. I am coming with some historical numbers here, too. The most yards in a game in NFL history. 1951, the Rams, 735 versus the Yanks. In 2023, the Dolphins, 726 versus the Broncos. In 1958, the Steelers, 683 versus the Cardinals. Okay. Uh, You mentioned, too, he was 16 for 16 in the first half. Uh, Jalen Waddle, we talked about Friday. It turned out he did not play inactive because of the concussion symptoms. Uh, You had two guys that rushed for four touchdowns each, uh, Raheem Mostert and also Devon A-Chain. Texas A&M sucked last year, but it wasn't A-Chain's fault. I mean, with very little blocking and without much quarterback play, he was a really good player. And uh, they say that he might actually be the fastest of all these guys on offense, and that includes Tyreek Hill. Uh, but uh, he had four touchdown rushing, four touchdowns rushing, as did Mostert. Uh, the uh, you know, Denver, Sean Payton at a loss for words. Post-game press conference got contentious. What's the question and next question part of that press conference? Uh, consecutively, uh, consecutive comments from Payton. Uh, and, uh, they play at Buffalo next week, so that'll be fun. Uh, Denver, out, their defense, I completely lost in the shuffle here, has been horrible the last two weeks. They got picked apart by Sam Howell and uh, Terry McLaurin, burned Sertan on a continual basis two weeks ago. And then yesterday, obviously, when you give up 70 points, 10 touchdowns, and 726 yards, it's not going well. And Vance Joseph was catching hell last week as the defensive coordinator in Denver. I assume it is increased in catching hell this week. Yeah, so the Broncos 0-3 face the 0-3 Bears, and the Dolphins face the Bills. So that's going to be a good contest. Oh, my bad. I thought they played Buffalo. Okay, my (laughs) bad. We actually carry the Dolphins and the Bills game on Sunday, so that'll be a good contest. Uh, The Broncos and the Bears in a slugfest of the the 0-3. I'm sorry. Miami plays Buffalo. Okay, sorry about that. Well, that's better that we, thank God we don't have the zero and three Bears and the zero and three Broncos. That that game should end in a tie. That would be fitting. It actually would be fitting. Uh, moving into the Browns and the Titans here. The Browns 27, Titans 3. This Browns defense is very, very good. Uh, some numbers here to back up just how good this defense is. How often does the defense allow a conversion to a new down? For the Browns, on first down, they allow it just 9% of the time. On second down, they allow it 18% of the time. On third down, they allow it 36% of the time. And on fourth down, they allow it 38% of the time. So you ask yourself, how does this measure up? Here is the NFL average through the first three weeks. On first down, 21% of the time. Second down, 47% of the time. Third down, 68% of the time. And fourth down, 70% of the time. This defense under Jim Schwartz is getting it done. 
Agreed, and then I'm not sure how many red zone possessions the Titans had yesterday, but before yesterday in the first two games, the Browns had not had a red zone possession in the first two games. Not a one. Obviously, uh, the offense gave up you know, two touchdowns in the Monday night loss against the Steelers, but they've been very good on defense. Miles Garrett, uh, I don't think there's any question uh, because, you know, you know, yeah, Watt last night was close to the quarterback, but never really seemed to get to Jimmy G. Uh, but uh, Garrett has been the best defensive player in the NFL through three weeks of the season. They do not give the Defensive Player of the Year award after three weeks of the season, which is good. Uh, but if the, uh, the season ended today for whatever reason, he would be, I think, hands down, no argument, the best defensive player in the NFL through three games, he's a disturbance, and he's been dominant in each of the first three games. And I mean dominant. The Patriots 15, Jets 10. The Patriots now have won 15 straight against the Jets. Uh, the Patriots on offense, 358 yards of total offense to the Jets, 171 yards of total offense. The Jets were just 2 of 14 on third down. But get this, the Patriots were 0 of 0 in the red zone. They didn't make it to the red zone, and they still won the game. Uh, I didn't watch this. I saw highlights, and I do know somebody did watch it. Well, I know you too, so maybe you can confirm this. I was told this morning this was unwatchable football. Uh, so uh, I'm not going to watch it. Uh, you know, if that game comes on NFL Network this week, I'll just find something else to watch. Uh, the Jets' offensive line's even worse than it has been. Uh, Dwayne Brown, uh, on Saturday, they declared him out with hip and shoulder issues, both uh, not out. He's their starting left tackle. Their offensive line, is, you know, I don't know if it matters whether it's uh, – you know, Garrett Wilson or Joe Namath in his heyday, or excuse me, Zach Wilson or Joe Namath in his heyday. I think it really matters who the quarterback is at this point because they can't block anybody. Uh, also, I think there's I've, – I've kind of thought about this last year at the uh, end of the season, at least in the second half of the season. I thought about it when I was watching Hard Knocks. I think that Robert Sala maybe is a really good defensive coordinator who's not a good head coach or even capable of being a head coach. Yeah, you know, I uh, last year when the Patriots won the game in Foxborough against the Jets and the walk-off punt return, right. definitely yep. set quarterback play back 100 years, the forward pass, if you will. Uh, it wasn't This game yesterday wasn't as bad, but it was pretty darn close. And that was uh, the uh, probably the pinnacle of the cause is Sala a good good head coach because that last that play should never happen. Exactly, uh, that is true as well. And then in addition to that, I mean, I, I think there's compelling and enough evidence at this point that even with the offensive line issues that the Jets have, uh, Zach Wilson probably is not the answer. Probably not, but you know, if you want to make a case for Zach Wilson. Uh, he or no, I really don't think there's a quarterback in the NFL that would be capable of doing a whole lot with this offensive line, which has been atrocious in the first three games of the season. 
A couple of more games to get to on the other side of the break. We'll get into college football uh, in hour number two. And I promise uh, if you were trying to call, we will get to you around 1115-602-260-1060 is the number. So 1115 will be the next uh, phone call segment time here in the Extra Point. It is Monday. It is September 25th. Bob Kim, Kayla Mortolaro with you recapping the weekend that was Ooh. in the NFL and college football, I believe that ooh was because uh the yankees pitcher clark uh oh yeah clark he, he he, he was just able got to get nailed it. by a line yeah he got nailed by a line drive come yeah, back here more and extra point next they've left the map download today to hear all of the national and local shows you love that's the kdus 1060 app Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Time is winding down here in the month of September to be eligible for the $100 gift certificate courtesy of Superbook Sports by downloading the KDOS 1060 app. Key component here is to register. Once you register, follow along with the uh, requirements for the listener rewards to become eligible for that $100 gift certificate. Continuing on on with some NFL discussion here. Let's get into the Steelers and the Raiders. Steelers 23, Raiders 18. What was Josh McDaniels doing there in the fourth quarter late? Down eight points, 233 to go, kicking a field goal. The Steelers end up jumping off sides, giving him a fresh set of downs. The Steelers almost bailed him out, but they were able to stop him. So you thought, okay, uh, he he learned previously here. He's going to go for it on fourth down. Nope, no, that's not what happened at all. Kicked the field goal once again. They ended up getting the ball back on offense with 12 seconds to play. Yeah, I have no idea. This is the third head coach we've already referenced in this hour, uh, joining Brandon Staley and Robert Sala, that uh, had some good history as assistant coaches. And I've seen enough that I don't think any of these guys should really be head coaches in the NFL. Yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how long the leash is here with Josh McDaniels with the Raiders here in his second stint as a head coach as well. Uh, for the Steelers, Kenny Pickett was 16 of 28, 235 yards, two touchdowns, one sack, and it ended up being his first career game that he's thrown two touchdowns. Yeah, their offense looked much different. I mean, Chris Collinsworth pointed this out a number of times during the game yesterday. Uh, probably I didn't even get to the, watch this game until halftime yesterday after getting back from Glendale, but I, he probably pointed this out in the first half even a few more times. Uh, but they went more, back to a more power running attack with double team blocks in the offensive line, and clearly that gave them a chance. And uh, I also thought that Mike Canada made some excellent play calls, uh, you know, especially the, you know, the, the specifically in the fourth quarter when they had the. Uh, one first down, and you were just talking about with them, uh, them being the Raiders having only a few seconds to go. But that was an excellent play call, and they moved. He he moved Pickett out of the pocket more because um, a you know the offensive line was getting crushed for the first couple of weeks of the season, and also Pickett had the absolute worst across the middle of the field, uh, you know, you know, accuracy rate in the in- entire NFL the first two weeks of the season. So move him outside the pocket. Good idea. 
They did that throughout the game, and they obviously did that, and you know, it turned out to be the final offensive, uh, you know, the meaning, last meaningful offensive play of the game for Pittsburgh. Uh, for the Steelers, though, uh, they ended up having to make an emergency landing in Kansas City as they were trying to get home last Ooh. night uh, due to oil pressure failure in one of the engines. So I'm not sure what time they ended up making it back to uh, Pittsburgh. I know for sure it was today at some point in time. So they have uh, a short week, obviously, and then I believe they're on the road uh, facing the Texans uh, this Sunday. Okay. The Raiders now 5-10 and 10 in their last 15 one-score games. That's not all Josh McDaniels. That was also the, you know, the, the whatever the, you want to call that last year, the Gruden started the season as the coach. Uh, so they've been awful in these one-score games. Also, Jimmy G, two awful interceptions. He leads the league in interceptions after three weeks and also is checked out for concussion after the game. Uh, you have the Bills taking care of the Commanders, 37-3. The Colts in overtime, 22-19 over the Ravens. Uh, the Seahawks, 37-27 over the Panthers. And the Chiefs uh, dominating the Bears, 41-10. Uh, we have our number two of the extra point coming up on the other side of the break. And 602-260-1060 is the number. We'll take calls around 11:15, And we'll dive into college football on the other side of the break. 